Hello, everybody. This is another edition of Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here on the Props Network. Thank you very much. We are live on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook here at noon. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, it's just been a crazy night for me. There's no doubt about it. Um, and even Bo texted me and says, well, that's the end of an era, right? No John Wall in Washington, D.C. We're going to talk about him as a Washington wizard uh, and, and my personal story that I want to share about him. Of course, we're going to talk the NFL, uh, Steelers, Ravens last night, but really we're looking ahead to week 13 as I give you my fantastic four picks. Bo knows college football and college basketball. We'll talk Indiana at Wisconsin. That is a big top 25 matchup. And in college basketball, what's with these rankings? In Gonzaga and Baylor as the number one and number two team in the country? All right, we'll talk about that as well. Sports you don't care about, cricket. It's the 2020 International Tournament between the Aussies and India. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to break that down for you. And I've got some stats that will help you make the right, the right betting choices in that match coming up. Actually, it's four matches, December 4th, 6th, and 8th. So we'll talk about that. I've got family time coming back with my dad and brothers talking Premier League, Champions League, and Major League uh, Soccer. Yeah, that's right. MLS. They got another game today. And we're going to talk about that as well. Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota United FC. So we got a lot to get into. And of course, I'm going to talk to you when we talk soccer as well. How could I not? How could I not? But the first thing that I want to talk about before we bring Dexter on is the news about John Wall. And... It's really tough for me to reconcile with the fact that John Wall is the first player, especially of his caliber, that in my time with the Washington Wizards, I was with him at the very beginning. You know, I um, I have close relationships with Karan. Or, or, excuse me, Gilbert, well, Karan, and then Gilbert, and Antoine Jameson, and Eton Thomas, that I can, you know, we have a relationship. But all of them were either there before me, and Eton Thomas especially. Uh, he was there during the Jordan years before I got there. But John Wall, I was in New York before he became a Washington Wizard. I liken it to thinking that he was the first face of anyone within the Washington Wizards organization that he saw that was covering him as part of the team. And so, you know, that is very close to my heart. And so it was very tough to see him uh, being traded to Houston. And it's not going to be easy, and I'll get into the teams uh, and, and how we think they'll fare going into this season. 
um, Houston and Washington with Russell Westbrook now in Washington and, and John Wall with Houston. But before we bring in Dexter, there's that one thing that I really connected with Wall with that I didn't expect to. And every year, there's always a Game Ops video that's done. And that video basically is asking a player, you know, funny things, your favorite cartoon, your favorite uh, food. But then one year, the question was, if you could do anything else in your life, a different career, what would it be? And I wasn't in the room. So that made it stick out to me even more that I kept the video just for fun. But John Wall, without hesitation, said, I would like to do what Jamoke does to see what it's like on the other side of the camera. I had nothing to do with it. And it surprised me to hear John say that about what I did. You know, I was partially digital correspondent at times and traveling with the team for WashingtonWizards.com. Then I hosted the pregame show and I produced and directed and edited, right, videographer for our uh, TV show, Wizards Magazine, especially when it was a documentary series, uh, kind of like Hard Knocks, was when I covered them the most. And I'll never forget that. And, you know, what John has done for me personally, for the community of everyone in DC, being a part of the fabric of the Washington Wizards. Whatever you think about what he's been like off the court, let's I, not that I don't want to get into that, but whatever negative things you think about, I've got a positive that far outweighs that negative. And I feel like the narrative is that there were things that he did recently with the video that went viral of, of him, you know, not in his best light that, you know, I know he didn't think the camera was on him and it would get shared. But then of course the other video where he's playing cards while doing a live interview, I don't like that. That narrative is what we are talking about of him off the court and then on the court. Yeah. He's missed the last two years and that's tough. But for any player, if you ask them, they would say, I want to be able to, you know, write my ending, move on when I'm ready to move on. And it doesn't work like that in the world. Didn't work like that necessarily in, in, in any player's world. That's a hall of famer and certainly not ones who I've seen only make it to training camp and then they were gone. And that's it. That's the business of basketball. But um, yeah, that was tough. That was tough to stomach yesterday and I wish him the best and hopefully I'll, He'll, he'll do well and for the Wizards because that is my home team that I want the Wizards to do well. And just like I was there when John Wall was drafted, I was also there when Bradley Beal was drafted. And so those are the two players in many ways that are left at the, in that franchise that I have a closer relationship to that even knows me. I mean, Rui doesn't know me. Troy Brown barely knew me. Um, but I can still go to Troy Brown say, what's up? He'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's bring in Dexter. Um, he's got the insight that I think is very important for me because it is so close to home 
Hi, Dexter. That to have real good. That to have Dexter share his thoughts on the trade and who he thinks won between the Wizards and Rockets and Wall and Westbrook. What's your take, Dexter, just from the onset when you saw that trade hit the wire? AJ Wojnarowski, he was the first one to me is like, if he says it, it's sold. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago and that I didn't think that this trade should happen. Um, but if you really think about it, it was the only logical trade for both teams, right, Jamoke? You have two um, disgruntled stars, if you want to say, that didn't necessarily want to be with their team. So that had been reported. And two really, everybody around the league knew untradeable contracts. And mm-hmm. these guys had to be moved. It almost was a swap, you know, was a swap for each other. It's the it gives Houston the ability to reset. They got a pick out of this. Now, what I thought was interesting were all the protections they had. Uh, that mm-hmm. was kind of interesting with that. Now, they're able to reset. We do not know what John Wall is going to be. He's coming off the Achilles injury. He has almost not played basketball in two years uh, that we've seen him in an NBA game, although all accounts were that he looked really good uh, this offseason. Kevin Durant, some other people have said that. Gives Houston the opportunity to reset. I think the Wizards got the better player in this deal. Although Westbrook is two years older, I think you can trust him a little bit more, even though he's had some injury history. Um, he, I think he'll fit well next to Bradley Beal. He has some familiarity with Scott Brooks being his former head coach in OKC. So I would give the Wizards the edge in this deal Ooh. and that they got the better player. But, you know, this is like, I don't think this is great for either team. I mean, they're, they're, they're both still taking a lot of money. It doesn't give anybody any cap flexibility. The Rockets got the pick. It allows them, I guess, a chance to see if James Harden will like playing next to John Wall and how that'll work out. Also, John Wall gets to reunite with uh, Boogie Cousins, mm-hmm. the guys back together again. So, I mean, there's some interesting things, but I don't think this is, you know, a, necessarily a great trade for either team, Jim. Okay. Uh, the uh, the B minus on this, and I give the the Rockets C plus. You know, it's kind of a worse mm. trade, uh, but you know, we'll see. It, what what really matters is how each person fits uh, with the teams. But I like Westbrook fitting better with Bradley Beal than maybe I think John Wall will fit with James Harden. So, um, I actually, unfortunately, I do agree with you that I think Westbrook uh, has the better. I don't know if it's – it was a better move for Washington. I think – I mean, even when I looked at LeBron James' salary, which we'll get into, he still makes less than John Wall. Over the course of the last, next right. three seasons, he will make less money than John Wall, which seems absurd, but, you know, that it is the way it is. Um, I guess for me, when you look at the teams and let's look at team futures and team winning percentages – Houston is they, – they have a better chance of making the playoffs, right? We expect that they are going to make the playoffs. But Washington, I don't know what to make of it. Right now, their 2021 season, the over-under for the first half um, as it stands right now – or excuse me, not for the first half, for the season, even though we only have half a schedule, is at 45 and a half. Do you see Westbrook being on this team and improving the Wizards that much? 
And on the flip side, well, let's start with that. Let's start with that. Do you think Westbrook will allow for the Wizards to actually make some noise in the playoffs? So I thought that the Wizards were already going to be a dangerous team uh, in, in, in the respects of they could muck things up in that maybe seven, eight seed spot. And remember now we have the play-in tournament. So I thought the Wizards were a team that can get into the play-in tournament, right? Mm-hmm. I, I thought that could happen with a healthy John Wall. I think obviously with a healthy Russell Westbrook, um, I like that pairing a little bit better and what that can do for Beal. I, I think, I'll say this, Jaboke, this might make you a little happy. I okay. think people <laughs> might have been underestimating what the Wizards could do this year. Now, I'm not saying that's mm. a lot. I'm saying it wouldn't shock me if the Wizards got into the playoffs. It actually would not. Um, I think people have to look at, you're going to have an all-star in Russell Westbrook, uh, who's pretty... Uh, MVP. He, MVP, former MVP, when he plays his way, which is mm-hmm. reportedly what he wants to do. We know what Bradley Beal is. Bradley Beal, I think, and this was a point I, I didn't really make before, I think Bradley Beal is a guy who's played well off the ball, not necessarily... Uh, what they'll have down in Houston with two guys who need the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. So I think that bodes well for the Wizards. Now, the over-under is 45. And and, and here, what we talk about is the numbers. <laughs> and they reach that. Am I taking the over on that? Hell no. I'm definitely not <laughs> taking the over on that. There's no way I'm doing that. Okay? I'm not doing that at all. Now, do I think they can come close to the high 30s, maybe low 40s on that? Yeah, I think that's possible for Washington because I think they're good enough to do it. And I think a lot has to do with what happens with Rui Hachimura and him taking the next step. Uh, what is the playing time going to be like for Thomas Bryant or Robin Lopez? How are they splitting those minutes? Uh, also, the rookie, uh, you know, that they just drafted, how he will play. But I think the Wizards can be all right, man. I think they can give some teams some problems. And so if you're a Wizards fan, I think you want to be excited that they can muck it up, cause some problems for teams, steal some wins in the East, and at least get in contention for to be in the playing game, which is what I expect them to do. You know, I think the only teams that probably won't be in it, you know, are probably the Knicks and the Cavs. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think have any shot, but I think the Wizards have a good shot. They're they're going to be dangerous, and they have two All Stars, and they're going to cause problems for a lot of people. I think. Yeah, I I the first thing that came to my mind as I after I kind of settled down, and I was like, okay, fine, he's he's gone, but I was like, well. For the Wizards, are you going to get the bubble Russell, which I don't want, or the triple-double mm. Russell? Like, I think that that's the key. I think too often we will look at the past as like, a, ooh, we got that player, versus realizing what really is happening in the more present moment of what you're getting. You're getting a Russell Westbrook who not only was injured going into the bubble, but he got COVID. And he didn't play that well in the bubble. Who knows if going into this season, we're going to find out he's more winded than before. Or I don't remember, recall the guy's name, but the guy in the NFL who basically had to end up just not playing the rest of the season because he developed some serious uh, internal breathing problems. And I think it was maybe even a heart problem where it's just like, I, I just can't play. I thought I could, but I can't give it 100%. And Russell Westbrook is that type of player that wants to always give 100% from a person. Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry, Jamal. I want to say I think that's a great point, right? Like I think a lot of times with everything around sports nowadays, we're forgetting about these athletes and just their ability to come back. Now, we saw Russell Westbrook struggle, as you mentioned, in the bubble. And we don't know if COVID 
uh, impacted that, but it very well could have, right? It's, and it very well can still have lingering effects, as you mentioned, that we don't know what kind of effort he's going to give. Now, I think if you see the Russell Westbrook that we saw before the season paused in January and February when he's playing some of his best basketball with the Rockets, attacking the rim, taking quality shot selection, not shooting as many threes, just being very aggressive. If the Wizards get that Westbrook, then mm-hmm. they're going to be they're going to be very dangerous. And I think it's going to make Bradley Beal more efficient and some of the other players around him. Now I think what's going to be key is some of the other shooting that the Wizards have around Beal and Westbrook and how far and how good they can be. But I think you really bring up a great point. We do not know what Westbrook is going to be. We can't just look at the past. High side, you hope you get what he was in January and February, as I mentioned. You know, low side, if he is what he what we saw in the bubble, where he looked a little bit gassed and out of shape and was obviously trying to return uh, in that way, hopefully not due to COVID, then I don't think uh, the Wizards will come anywhere near yeah. over under 45 wins. Davis Bertans will be key for the Washington Wizards' success because he can just sit back, pop threes, be efficient, along with Beal, but I hope it works out that way. So the funny thing is, I think the pressure is on Beal and Westbrook because of that very thing. People are thinking we're getting that Russell Westbrook. Beal's going to be great. He averaged 30 points a game. It's highly unlikely that both of these players, Russell and Beal, are going to be averaging 30 points a game. If they do, then yeah, I think we do look at that over for number of wins in the season at 45, most definitely. But Harden's numbers drop when he played with Westbrook. I expect that Beal's numbers will drop when he plays with Westbrook. And for somebody I know was upset that he didn't make all NBA, just go look back on Twitter. It's even more of a long shot now that you may make all NBA because you have a ball dominant guy in Westbrook who is probably very, very much so going to be driven to show that he is the old Westbrook and want to take over this team. So I'd be curious about that chemistry with such a fiery guy in Westbrook and Beal. The chances for the Houston and Wizards to uh, basically win the championship, Houston was at plus 3,000, but I found it at uh, plus 7,000 on FanDuel, and it was plus 20,000 for the Wizards, and I saw a 15,000 too. We know that neither one of those are probably going to happen, but the better chance of someone winning the NBA championship is probably Houston if you've got Harden and you've got Boogie Cousins and you've got Wall all playing at a top level. But the other question I have that I find weird is I don't even see an over-under for Houston when, I'm, when I've been looking at a couple of betting sites. I don't see it. Now, I do see conference winner. Wizards at plus 5,000 and the Rockets at plus 3,000. You think the Rockets have the better chance? Could they be the conference winner? I know it would be a long shot with LeBron. Yeah, I mean – the thing for me with the Rockets, Jamoke, is I have no idea how they're going to play, right? We saw mm-hmm. this style they played. They went to the small ball last year. They're spacing it out in the last year with Maury. But now with the new regime, I don't know how they're going to play. I think the X factor for the Rockets is, one, A, how they're going to play. But I think the other thing is how impactful can Christian Wood, which I think was a good signing for them, a young player they were able to pick up that can play the four for them, and then how impactful is DeMarcus Cousins, right? And what mm-hmm. role does mm-hmm. he have on this team? If DeMarcus Cousins is, I don't expect him to be the DeMarcus Cousins of old, but anywhere near that, 
Um, and, and it's really about health. If you're looking at the Rockets, you're concerned about Wall and his Achilles. This is somebody who's torn their Achilles, who knows. <laughs> who knows this, right? um, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Achilles tear and knee issues. You're concerned about the health of those guys holding up in this season, which is 72 games in the age and era of COVID that we're in and all that else the teams have to worry about. I, I, I would, you know, I think it's, you know, if you're betting on this, you want to say the Rockets have the better chance just because they have some of the, I would say the playoff DNA and some of those guys off that team that have been through some of the battles and been through uh, Western Conference Finals like P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, some of those guys have been around there for that. So I would, would take that as the better bet over the Wizards. Uh, but I'm not confident in that by any means whatsoever. So I'd go Rockets over the Wizards in that regard just because there's more guys who have been playoff tested. But I really have no idea how that team is going to play. Yeah. One idea of a team that I know how they're going to play, Los Angeles Lakers at plus 300 to be the championship winners. They re-signed LeBron on an $85 million extension, and now it's reports are that Anthony Davis is close to signing a five-year, $190 million max contract. They are the favorite, even though last year was the Clippers, and the Clippers roster, you know, I mean, they changed coaches, and they lost Montrez Harrell, and now the Lakers have them. Are the Lakers, in your mind, the runaway favorites? Or is there an opportunity for a team that you see, like a Milwaukee Bucks, that have tried to retool their team that can supplant the Lakers as champs? The Lakers, in my mind, are are still the favorites. I wouldn't call them runaway favorites. um, But I like what they did, for the most part, to retool their team. I kind of like that they didn't stand pat and just say, let's run it back with the same guys. They looked, they looked at this and said, hey, we have to adjust. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about their athleticism defensively uh, on the front court, but I think when you have Anthony Davis, especially with him coming back for five years, uh, $190 million, that helps up a lot. But, you know, getting Montrezl Harrell, I'm uh, not a big fan of his game. Uh, defensively, we we as uh, fans of the Pittsburgh Panthers saw how he used to kill us when he played for Louisville. Uh, <laughs> and he annoyed me there. But, you know, he, he's somebody who brings high energy offensively, uh, a lot left to be desired defensively. Marcus Gasol should help with all that, but I'm not really sure what Marcus Gasol has to give. I think he's a huge X factor here. But look, as long as you have LeBron and AD or two of the best five players in the league, I think you have to be the favorite. Uh, I think also their championship DNA, playoff DNA, uh, they're going to be confident. That team is going to know how to rest their stars, and they have some scoring uh, that they can rely on now in guys like Montrez and Dennis, Dennis Schroeder that are going to help on the nights when those guys rest. So, you know, I like that team to manage. Uh, you know, we hate load management, but manage the load uh, for their stars and be able to navigate the regular season. And as long as they're healthy, they're the favorites to me uh, to repeat. Uh, and I like what they retooled. Now, everything is always going to be, can the Clippers be that team mm-hmm. that pushes them? And, and a lot of people, you know, love the Clippers. But my issue with Clippers is they still don't have a point guard, I think, that can break down the defense and really initiate the offense to help Kawhi and Paul George. And there seems to be a lot of uh, internal problems, as we've seen lately, with that team. So that's going to be interesting. Milwaukee, you know, you mentioned them, Jamoke. Until Milwaukee gets it done in the playoffs, I'm not buying. You know, know, until they show that, you know, Giannis shows me what he can do at the next level. And this is a big year for Giannis and obviously a big couple of weeks coming up, Mm -hmm. whether he signs at Supermax or not. Until I see it from Milwaukee, 
Uh, I'm not going to believe it. I think it was a huge blow in them not getting Bogdanovich. Uh, and I think that's something, depending on how far they go, people will talk about down the road. I like what they did getting Drew Holiday, but I'm not really sure how much better they've gotten. Yeah. So, you know, do you believe in any other teams in the East? Do you believe Miami taking another step? Do you believe Boston taking another step? I'm not sure they got better. Uh, I, I think this is the Lakers championship to lose. I don't think they're runaways, though, and I think they could be beat, but I think it's theirs to lose for sure. Clippers and Bucks are tied at plus 550 for the championship. Brooklyn Nets next at plus 600. You got the Celtics and Heat all the way down at 1,300 and 1,500 respectively. Uh, and the Tampa, Tampa Bay Raptors are at plus 2,000. Tampa Bay Raptors. Uh, last topic here before we let you go. 48 positive tests for COVID for the initial re-entry for the NBA. This was the one concern that I had going into the season that I think everybody's like, oh, the success of the NBA. And I almost feel like the general public is forgetting that was in a bubble. The NBA is going to experience the same problems that the NFL did. We were watching a Wednesday 3.45 p.m. game yesterday between the Steelers and Ravens. We are going to have a lot of issues with the NBA this year. There is no doubt about it. What? How do you see that affecting the season in terms of, I mean, if, if there is an over-under, and I couldn't find it on any of the futures for teams or a league future, we may not even get 72 games. They may have to end the season at like 60 and just say, look, let's just go straight to the playoffs and try to get this season over with so they can start on time next year or, yeah, next fall. Would it, wouldn't shock me at all, Jamal, mm-hmm. if, if that happened. I mean, if I'm going to put it bluntly, I'll say this. I don't think any sports league right now in the United States is ready for sports action without a bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just not. You t- talked about the problems the NFL's had. We're seeing how ridiculous things are in college football um, and how things are even being affected in college basketball, right? The NBA, which is going to have travel, and they're trying to schedule things so they can reduce the travel. And I think the NBA will do a great job as possible. They're one of the leagues that are usually at the forefront of these things, and they try to be ahead and talk to the players and make sure that everybody's safe. And I'm sure they'll do that. But like you said, they're not immune from the challenges. They're not immune from what everybody else is facing in this world. You brought up the numbers of 48 players. I think that was 8.8% of the league that tested positive. You know, that has to be concerning. And as you move about and players go to different cities and they travel and they're among each other, it only increases the chances of them uh, catching this this virus while we still don't have a vaccine, while we're still trying to get many people in places yeah. across the country to do the right thing and wear a mask and keep these numbers down. I don't think they're immune from it. And I, I it will be interesting to see what the, line, what the lines are and, and if the, the odds are, excuse me, in terms of, Will we get a completed 72-game season? What are they going to do in terms of scheduling when they have to cancel games? Because it's going to happen. They're going to have to cancel some games. This is inevitable. But, you know, I think this really goes to show if if we truly want sports back the way they were before, we have to be healthy as a society. Uh, You know, a friend of mine, Jay McManus, uh, who's wrote this for for Deadspin, uh, talked about a healthy society for sports and the need for that. And, you know, right now we're just not a healthy society. So I don't think you can expect there to be a healthy, full, regular season uh, for the NBA. I just don't see how it happens at all. Yeah, I don't see it either, Dexter. Uh, But at the same time, we both love basketball. And let's hope we get it. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it's going to be a long shot. Thank you, Dexter. I appreciate it.
No problem, man. Be well. Take care. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Oh, Dexter Henry's always great. Uh, dropping some knowledge on NBA basketball for us. And yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to get a full season. I, I really don't. I am. But hey, we get some basketball. We get some basketball. All right. Up next, we're going to talk football. I've got my fantastic four games for you that I'm going to talk about for week 13 in the NFL. I'll touch a little bit on that Steelers-Ravens game. Why? I don't know. I guess I was perfect in my pick. I was excited about it last night. Maybe a little too excited. Maybe a little too excited. But anyway, we'll come back. On the other side, first a quick read. Are you located in a state with legal online sports betting? Don't make a bet this season before you visit thepropsnetwork.com. ThePropsNetwork.com has you covered with free bets and special bonus deals from all the U.S. online sports books. You can get $30 free in free bets and up to $600 risk-free bet at Unibet. Or claim up to a $1,000 signing bonus bundle from DraftKings Sportsbook. And lastly, you want to do sport points bet. You can do a points bet sportsbook with four risk-free bets totaling up to $1,000 using promo code BONUSPROPS. The Props Network is also the only betting news site with live NFL odds for every game. Including last night, there'll be some tonight, there'll be some on Sunday, and who knows, we may get Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday games, you know, and of course Saturday, you always have the playoffs, you never know. So you can shop the Cubs and know you are getting the biggest payout possible before you lock in your bet or bets. Do your bankroll a favor and check out thepropsnetwork.com. You must be 21 or over to bet. If you or someone you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Okay, now we're talking the National Football League. I can't help but want to sound like Chris Berman. It's just a habit. He's just the best. He's just the best. All right, Steelers-Ravens, which was really exciting last night. Very exciting last night. And I know that Mike Tomlin called it the the J. It was a, a JV game. He's disappointed for another, uh, pretty much probably what the third straight game that he isn't happy with how Pittsburgh has played. Part of that is, yeah, they may not have played that great, but you know, it was a cold, cold day, cold game in Pittsburgh. But I also feel like in many ways, to me, it was a Steelers-Ravens type game. I don't know if I expected anything else. I really don't. I think that's what you get. There was a lot of movement going into the game. I said the Steelers would win, but that the Ravens would cover. They did. I had the under at 41 points. We got that. What I didn't do, I don't think we did... Bo, can you jump on here? Did we do first TD score? I don't remember if we did. We did not. But, we did not. Oh, we should have because it feels like it feels like the Pittsburgh defense was an absolute lock for that. Yeah. Should have done any any. What we should have done is we should have parlayed any time touchdown score in Pittsburgh defense first touchdown score in Pittsburgh defense. Oh man. Might not have to do the show after that. <laughs> might not might not all right we got to think about that for the fantastic four what we can look at but chase claypool you gotta got you could have gotten him at plus 800 to be the first touchdown score juju smith schuster was at a thousand um it was i don't even know what kind of game we're talking about 
um, that you were expecting last night. I just, I just don't. I just, I just felt like that was a typical game between the two of them. It came down to, you know, the last play. The Steelers get that last first down that they can kneel down on the clock, which is fine. But, I mean, considering it was a game that was supposed to be played uh, Thursday night, then moved to Sunday, and then moved to Tuesday, and then moved to Wednesday, like, what else did you expect? I mean, I know in my analysis talking about how, you know, breaking down the Ravens that we knew that they ha- they normally have Lamar Jackson and what he does on the field and then not having him. Like, it's it's kind of what I expected. I expected. I just kind of expected the game to go the way it did. And, you know, that's how it goes. It was all right. Of course, the first touchdown was a Joe Hayden interception, so we would have lost that bet. And then Juju Smith-Schuster did score, but you would have lost that bet. But that being said, it was a great game from the aspect for any Pittsburgh Steelers fan that you got the win. Ben Roethlisberger, this tweet went out by NFL Stats that Ben Roethlisberger is 13-0 as a starter. and He was 13-0 as a starter in 2004, and now he's 11-0. He joins Peyton Manning as the only QB since at least 1950 to win each of their first 11 starts in the season twice. And it got really confusing because but wait a second, the Steelers are setting a record for the first time ever being 11-0, but Roethlisberger is 13-0 as a starter. It got confusing because now they're kind of like Ben Roethlisberger didn't start at in his rookie season right off the bat. It's just I'm confused, but it is what it is. This is what they say. This is where we are, and that's a stat that – that Ben Roethlisberger can be happy about. Bottom line, he's going to be happy about it, no matter what. Happier but, about that than the the PFF rankings. That yeah, which yeah. everybody seems to be in an uproar about for for no good reason whatsoever. All right. Well, okay. Why do you think it's? Why do you think? What's the uproar? Well, Roethlisberger is like I think mid fifteen ish, low twenties, and they're saying you know that. Uh, you know, half the quarterbacks in the in the country are better than him, and you know, he. Meanwhile, he's sitting here at eleven and zero, and you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that's what he wants. I'm sure he doesn't, you know, care that much about you know PFF's rankings, but it's it's a. I think it's been calling into question, you know, some of the metrics that that are being used. My thing is, is it is it anything different than what Roethlisberger has always been dealing with his career? He's never respected for winning the games, just being a quarterback who's never had a losing season. It always comes down to the stats as a knock on Roethlisberger over wins and winning Super Bowls or getting to the playoffs. And obviously, you know, Tom Brady is the GOAT with that. But I feel like in my mind, in my mind, Roethlisberger is second. You could maybe say, okay, we can put uh, Drew Brees second. Then if that's the case, I'm okay with that. But then I would still put Roethlisberger third, then uh, Russell Westbrook, then uh, Aaron Rodgers. That's that's my top five. Am I missing anybody that should be in the top five? 
Did you say Breeze? I felt like we had that conversation a while we ago. We did. Breeze is two, right? Breeze has won two Super Bowls, yes? Or is he only won one? One. 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 Okay. But he's so. one for one. But he's one for one. Uh, I thought he went to Winning two. percentage. He went to. Nope. Okay, then Roethlisberger is number two behind Brady, and that's the way it should end. But I digress. We could talk about the Ben Roethlisberger for forever. Let's look at the Fantastic Four moving forward. The first game, I've got the Cleveland Browns against the Tennessee Titans. Both teams are 8-3. and three. The offense for the Browns is ranked 19th. Offense for Titans is ranked 10th. Defense, 24th for Titans. Defense for Browns is 16th. Passing game, nothing to sneeze at. The rushing attack, though, 1-2 and two in the NFL. Who knew? The Browns. I'm sleeping on the Browns. What am I doing? I don't even know who's Nick. Was it Nick Chubb, right? We're talking about Nick Chubb as the running back for the uh, Cleveland Browns. Am I wrong on that? I don't know. No, that's wrong. right. I think they have, they have right. Kareem Hunt, too. And Kareem Hunt, who, which was unfortunate why he had to leave Kansas City. But, yeah, they do have Kareem Hunt. That's right. This game is tough. The line is the Titans are favored at minus five and a half, over under at 53 and a half. Money line plus 210 for the Browns is from DraftKings and minus 245 for the Titans. Boy, AFC wild card on the line. I, I feel like in this position, I look at Baker Mayfield plays well against teams who can't win, who don't have a winning record. He's one and three against teams with a winning record. That right there should be enough to say, okay, I'm taking Titans to win and probably to cover. I really, my initial thought is I'm going to take the Titans to win and cover. But Uh, They have a winning percentage of 55.7% according to NFL.com. But they also expect this score to be closer than I do. Uh, The Browns have the worst point differential for a team to start eight and three through the first 11 games in the history of the NFL. That is not, not a good stat. And the Browns are allowing the second most Fantasy points per game to tight ends this season. Hello, hello. Who should be happy about that? If you have Joe New Smith on your team for the Tennessee Titans in fantasy football, that's who you go with. But in the end, for that game, I'm going to go Titans to win. I'm going to take the Titans to cover. I think the fact that the Titans are the better team, and the Browns are one and three against winning teams, and it's in Tennessee. I expect Tennessee to come out and play well. I'm going to take the over at 53 and a half. Bo, you're good with that? I'm great with that. You're on a little bit of a hot streak lately, right? Coming off two wins with the <laughs> Eagles and the Ravens. You know, you got the gold glasses on. You're 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 hot, Jamoke. What can I say? And I think I think I'm I'm with you there. You know, people have been talking about how the Steelers have to be one of the worst 11 and 0 teams in the history of football. Well, I think the Browns are probably the worst eight win football team. <laughs> the worst. In, the in worst. The, the worst. I, I I don't I don't like. I think that their ability to rely on the run game 
with Nick Chubb, like you mentioned, has really helped them. But I, I still don't see Baker Mayfield as being uh, the one there. Yeah, I don't either. Although I got to hand it to him. And uh, I don't even know the insurance company, which is sad, but I know it's an insurance company. Progressive. Is it progressive? Those commercials yeah. are great. They're, they're they actually they really, really good. They My are. hat's off to Baker Mayfield as an actor, so to speak, but even more so for the agency that came up with that. That is just, it's just so funny, especially with COVID. The empty stadium just works. It just works. All right. What hasn't worked this year are the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know what to make of this team. I really don't. The Falcons are four and seven. The Saints are nine and two. In my mind, Mercedes-Benz Stadium is, that might be a fine automobile, but the Falcons are not a fine football team whatsoever. Now, I think that they could have been. I'm not quite sure. I would say in many ways they've underachieved, but they seem to do that every year. And they did it on the worst stage in the Super Bowl where they just, oh, that was awful. That was awful. But that being said, who is going to start for the Saints? This game right now has the Saints favorite at minus two and a half. I would think the margin, I'm thinking more in the four and a half, but then we don't have the quarterback that we know would easily beat Atlanta. And Drew Brees, and I shouldn't say easily, but I'd like to, I think he's, you know, obviously I put him up there. Over under at 45 and a half, money line minus 141 for the Saints, Falcons at plus 125. Now, when you look at these offenses, the Saints are ranked 15th. They scored 31 points, but it was against the Denver Broncos, who had no quarterback really, had no offense. But then again, Denver did score three points, the same amount of points that Tampa Bay scored against the Saints the previous week. The Falcons' offense is ranked 12th. It's that defense. That defense is key. The Saints have the number one defense in the NFL. The Falcons are ranked 26. I think that alone, I don't like this number. I don't know how, who would take the Falcons at plus two and a half. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I think that the, that defense for the Saints will shut down the Falcons enough. But let me give you some more stats. Rating of 101 when Julio Jones is active. When he's not active, it's 68.9. Taysom Hill is the only QB, QB since the NFL merger with two NFL merger. Excuse me, I'm talking too fast. With two plus rushing touchdowns and zero passing touchdowns in two games. They're going to have a ground attack. And this Saints team ranks seventh in the rush. The Falcons rank 24th with their rush. The flip side, as I brought up Julio Jones, is that the Falcons rank sixth in passing and the Saints at 20th. There you go. The Saints have two-plus takeaways and have allowed fewer than 15 points in four straight four, 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 four. Not one, not two, not three, but four, four straight games, four straight games. In my mind, the Saints have not allowed a 100-yard rusher. Todd Gurley has 100-plus rushing yards once in his last 27 games. I just don't see this offense being able to do much against the Saints. So I am going to take the Saints to win 
and cover. I think that two and a half numbers, the, the margin, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I'm, But I am going to take the over. I'm, excuse me. I am going to take the under. Uh, I, I think with Taysom Hill, the offense isn't as great as it would be with Drew Brees, so I expect the numbers to be down. And I know you think that, okay, on the other side, how are you not paying attention to Matt Ryan as a quarterback? But again, with that defense. So that's that's where I'm going. Bo, what do you think? I'm I'm really just still trying to figure out how Atlanta managed to put up 41 against Las Vegas last week. I That number and that score absolutely shocked me, but I don't think we're in for a similar shock this week. I think, you know, I'm going to go with you again here. Uh, you know, I liked your Titans pick. I like your Saints pick even more. I think the two and a half line is very inviting for potential Saints betters. Um, you know, I think that this team wins easily by a field goal. I, I'm just still, I, I'm on the fence here still about Taysom Hill. I don't, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to go through Sean Payton's mind here and understand why you have Jameis Winston on the bench. If you're going to go to Taysom Hill, you know, if you like to use him in that gadget situation, okay. But look, you need a passer in that offense to open up things for Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. And so far, Taysom Hill was not able to do that against Denver. And you saw Denver was able to hold Kamara to a limited game. And I think, like you mentioned, if the Saints want to get the ground game going against Atlanta, they need to open up that passing game, and Taysom Hill just isn't going to do that. It was very telling when the Denver emergency quarterback, Kendall Hinton, the former Kendall Wake Hinton. Forest, the former Wake Forest quarterback had a passing touchdown more recently than Taysom. <laughs> right? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. What isn't crazy is the reason why I think the Falcons were able to put 41 up on the Rams is – it's not a rivalry game like this Saints, you know? It's that NFC South rival similar to how, in my mind, I felt like that Pittsburgh Ravens game. It was easy for me to call that game. I knew what you were going to get with these two teams because they played each other so much. You look at the Rams and, and the Falcons, it is more of a wild card game, in my mind, is what you see there. Because actually, to your point, it is amazing to think that the Rams – defense is ranked second and so it's like okay with the Rams defense is ranked second and yet somehow they the Falcons put 41 up on them I just wow that's a lot that is a lot okay next game we've got Rams seven and four at the six and five Cardinals the six and five card come on people you couldn't possibly have fallen in love that much with the Cardinals it was just one play it was just one play that really has them six and five. They could very well be five and six. This game is also at uh, two and a half. The Rams are favored at minus two and a half, over under at 48 and a half. Money line minus 148 for the Rams and plus 130 for the Cardinals. Whew. Uh, this is a tough one to call because I feel like, to your point, Bo, I just don't know what kind of Rams team we're going to get. Their offense is ranked seventh. Their defense is ranked second. Their passing and rushing are, are ranked 12th and 9th overall for the Rams. On the other side of the ball, you've got a Cardinals offense that's ranked second, a defense that's middle of the pack at 14, a passing offense that's middle of the pack at 15, 
but a rushing defense at four because you know who's going to be rushing the ball. If he was a running back, he'd be the best running back in football, and it's Kyler Murray. But then, come on, who am I kidding? No, he wouldn't be because he's too small to be a running back. He'd probably be on the sidelines injured if he was a running back to, to an extent. You know, you, you take a beating when you're a running back. Just ask Ezekiel Elliott or any other running back for that matter. But bottom line is this game is – Really too close to call. This is a tough one for me. I mean, oh, my gosh. How am I going to pick this game? Mm. On NFL.com, the Cardinals have a 51% chance of winning. Final score predicted to be 25-24. Another dramatic game? I don't know. The Rams are 6-0 versus the Cardinals in the Sean McVay era. That is a great stat. Kyler Murray has been pressured on 12.6% of his dropbacks, lowest in the NFL, because he can run. He just – he can scramble. He's super fast. That's why. That's why. Jared Goff has 10 giveaways since week eight, most in the NFL in that span. If, if the Rams cut down on turnovers, I think that they win this game. You've got DeAndre Hopkins, who has 60 receiving yards and zero receiving touchdowns in two straight games for the first time since 2016. You know, you remember that Hale Murray he caught was the last touchdown he caught. Boy, ugh, where am I going with this? Oh, boy. It's in Arizona. But when I think about these two young head coaches going up against each other, I'm leaning towards Sean McVay. Ooh. But I think I am leaning toward the Cardinals to cover at plus two and a half. That this could be a close game. I want to see a close game. Nope, nope. It's not going to be that close. I'm taking the Rams minus two and a half. I am taking the over at 48 and a half. Uh, Rams win and cover. Bo, how are we looking? I mean, this has to be the most attractive head coaching matchup we've ever seen between Sean McVay and Cliff Kingsbury. I, I've always had a soft spot for the Rams, obviously. You know, getting to watch Aaron Donald week in, week out is an absolute pleasure. It's an honor to see him grace the field, the former Pitt Panther himself. And we've seen how well he can just take over a game. We saw it last week. We've seen it multiple times throughout his career. We saw it all the way back in Pitt. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm I'm struggling here because I, I think I'm leaning towards the Cardinals covering. Wow. I am. Because I think that matchup is so interesting when you talk about a guy, a defensive line, defensive tackle, can take over a game, which is something we haven't seen in the NFL in a long time. But then you're talking about the escapability of Kyler Murray, his ability to work outside the bucket. I think he kind of outside that bodes well when you're going up against Aaron Donald. And, you know, if the Rams are having trouble containing Murray, you know, maybe he, he's able to squeak out, get up field, and, and scamper a little bit. That could be that could be very positive. I think, um, you know, the Jalen Ramsey versus DeAndre Hopkins matchup is going to be really intriguing. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. There's a lot of those little like insider matchups um, in this game that I think are going to be interesting. But I am going to lean um, towards the Cardinals. They've had a little bit of a down week since that Hail Murray. Right since beating the Seahawks dramatically in overtime uh, a few weeks before that. Uh, I think they're due for another little shocker here. Okay. All right. So you're going to take the Cardinals plus two and a half. 
Uh, all right, let's see what happens on Sunday, 425. The last game is the Battle of the Davis household. We've got the Washington football team playing at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are favorite at minus eight and a half, uh, at minus 110. There's no total points on the board. I'm going to make up my own total points, and I'm going to put it at 43. And I am going to take the over. This is the game where the Steelers will wake up and they will no longer play like a JV team. Why? I don't know. Maybe because they're playing a team that is in some ways on the rise, but some going into the season would say it was a JV team. You got the 4-7 and seven Washington football team against the 11-0 and 0 Steelers at Heinz Field. Offenses 26th and 24th, uh, respectively, for the Washington football team and the Steelers. I am surprised. Washington's defense is ranked fourth. The Steelers are ranked third. They used to be ranked one last week going into that Ravens game. The passing game, uh, neither one of them is great. They're below the middle of the pack on rushing and uh, and passing, so I don't like it there. Um, this is, in many ways, a very weird and short week for the Steelers, so I think that that line is you know, somewhat tough to look at at eight and a half. I'm going to say Steelers win, but I'm going to take Washington to cover at eight and a half. I think this game will be a little closer than what we think it is. Maybe part of that is because you've got Alex Smith as a quarterback who can manage a game better than a Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen can't play. So that's what you've got here. Uh, those are my picks and I'm sticking to them. All right. Uh -oh. I really thought I really thought you were going to go with the the Steelers covering eight and a half there. I'm kind of disappointed because I'm taking Washington too. Yeah, you know? and I think <laughs> I think you give me giving me under forty three. I might take that too. Sneaky, that's a low number, but I would still think about that. You know, the Steelers, like you said, they're coming off like what? Oh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're coming off a four day week, right? Yeah, they played yesterday, Wednesday. They're gonna play Monday. Then they're going to have to play the Sunday after that. They're going to have three games basically in a week and a half. I think that doesn't bode well for the Steelers. They might eke it out, but I think losing Bud Dupree up front hurts. He is out now with an ACL tear. I'm a little bit worried for Alex Smith having to face TJ Watt and the rest of that Steelers defense, but I think Washington's defense, like you said, fourth in the country. They've been sneaky good all season long, and I think Washington shows up to play at Heinz Field with a lot more rest than Pittsburgh has had. All right, so there you have it. Bo and I agree. That's always good when we agree. How about that? We're like that? three for four today. We're, we're three for four, three for four. All right, when we're going to come back, we're going to do Bo Knows College Football. We've got one game for you because, you know, I, I, I'm going so long here. I, I just love to talk sports. We're going to talk Indiana and Wisconsin. That's the one game we got for you in college football. And then we'll get into a little basketball. We've got number one Gonzaga against Baylor as well. But first, BetMGM is a new online sportsbook that is taking over the online betting nation. Not only does BetMGM have some of the best odds on all the major sports, but they also offer some of the industry's strongest weekly promos. This week at BetMGM, you can get a free $20 in-play wager when you bet $50 or more on any live NFL game. I just gave you four great picks. Four great picks. The Ambo. Or you can get up to $100 in free bets and the free-to-play pick three first touchdown NFL challenge. And, as always, you'll get a $10 free bet in the Money Monday Club. That's Washington. 
against Pittsburgh. How about that? But that's not all. Right now, BetMGM has a special signing bonus for the Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code JUSTSPORT20. That's for just for sport. JUSTSPORT20 is the code to get a 100% match on your first deposit up to $500. That's right. Just enter code JUSTSPORT20 and up to $500 bonus bankroll is yours. You must be 21 or over to bet online. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Okay, so we've got some college football here. And it's really only one game that I uh, can talk about now. One, because I still have family time that's supposed to be coming up in like four minutes. And we're going to talk some English Premier League. And I've got some cricket and devil's advocate. uh, And I am just so far into talking football and basketball in the NBA that I went way over. But it's all good because we're just talking online. But we're going to start with NFL football. We've got number 12, Indiana at Wisconsin. Now, Bo, to me, is there any other game that you really are interested in this weekend? I mean, it's the only one where two top 25 teams match up that you're, you want to see. I mean, there's no, number it's 13, not. It's, it's not. number 13 BYU in Coastal Carolina, but come exactly. on. Exactly. It's Coastal Carolina. No, come on. You got to give some credit to the Chanticleers. On the teal turf, come on, give me that BYU Coastal game all day long. In South Carolina, really? Okay, let's start there then. You want to start there? Or no? Yeah, let's, let's start okay. there. Let's I don't even have there. the odds there. That game was scheduled this morning. I mean, Liberty <laughs> Liberty was supposed to be in there on on game day. Their entire defense is out with COVID, so you know BYU is like, hey, let's play. You know, top twenty five team, both teams undefeated. This is when have we ever gotten a regular season undefeated matchup in the top 25 like we're going to get this weekend? That is incredible. I'm really looking forward to this game. Let I think Michigan you. State, Michigan State, Ohio State is going to be a blowout. Okay. It's going to be a blowout. Ohio State has a point to prove. They had their game canceled the last two weeks. They need to come in and blow Michigan State out, and they're going to. The only game to watch this week is going to be down there with the Chanticleers and with BYU. Okay. These are two teams that are undefeated, and neither one of them will matter when it comes to the BCS championship. You're right. You're right. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, but it's like it, it to me. It's like, what is the point? What What is the point? Neither, of these two teams? Both of these teams are undefeated, and neither of them have the best odds to get in as a group of five member. That still goes to Cincinnati. And I st- and I will still contend. Right? You look at this: the college football playoff rankings by DraftKings. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, Georgia, Iowa State, and Miami, Florida. If nothing else, all 10 of those teams have following. So from the business of college football, no, we don't want BYU or Coastal Carolina anywhere near. Look, this is their bowl game right now. This is their bowl game, their BCS championship. They'll have it this weekend and be done. Yep, and that's that's why it was so important for Coastal to, first of all, get college game day down there, and to second of all, keep college game day down there when Liberty <laughs> came down with so many issues, in which I think I mean, I mean, think it's really great to see. I mean, we've seen this in college basketball, right? I know we're going to get to that in a minute, but we've seen this in college basketball where we talked about it on, on Monday where Villanova needed another game. They called up Virginia Tech and was like, hey, let's play. You know, Virginia Tech or Villanova actually was playing while that call was made to Mike Young of the Hokies. Now we're seeing similar things, 
you know, there was some talk that BYU and Washington would play a little bit. But, you know, we're finally seeing this kind of last-minute scheduling adjustment, which I think is great. You know, why not? Both of these teams need an extra game. Let's make it happen. BYU is favored at minus 10.5. The over is 61.5. Money line minus 335 for BYU, plus 255 for Coastal Carolina. I'm going to take BYU to win and cover, and the over is 61.5. Yeah, I've got the over easily, but I'm going to take Coastal to cover 10.5. Um, I do think that BYU pulls it out. Zach Wilson, I don't know how much we've watched of him. He's going to be a round one NFL quarterback. Um, but I do think that Coastal is able to keep it close. They've got that home field advantage. They've been preparing you know, steadily for a week now. BYU is on a little bit of a short notice, like we just mentioned with Pittsburgh. Um, I think BYU pulls it out in the end, but I've got Coastal covering. Coastal covering. Okay, you've got Coastal covering. The other game, we've got number 12, Indiana, at number 16, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is favored to win this game, and the line is minus 14 and a half. To me, that seems like a lot from the team that is the lower-ranked team, even though they are at home, and the over-under is at 45 and a half. Do you expect Michael Penix Jr. to not play the best game of his life He's, not, I feel he's like injured. He's injured, he's so injured. he's not going to play. So is that yeah. really what's is happening why is? That That's why you see that line. Yeah, I don't know who the um, the backup quarterback for Indiana is, actually. I forgot to, forgot to check that. Um, it's finals week. Uh, but, you know, I think you saw – this is where you're going to see, you know, the departure of Peyton Ramsey for the Hoosiers. He's the quarterback now for Northwestern. He's playing in the other division down in the Big Ten. I, you know, this is, it's really a shame. First of all, Michael Penix has been having such a great season. He's been Mm -hmm. a great storyline. We saw the way he performed against Ohio State, getting national headlines, shout-outs from guys like LeBron James and so on and so forth. But I think it, it, it is going to be hard for the Hoosiers to bounce back. I still like them to cover 14 and 14, 14 and a half, whatever it was. I think that line is massive. And I think Wisconsin has been so inconsistent this year, not in the way of, you know, how they've played, but in whether or not they've played. And I think, you know, Indiana has been very consistent. I don't think they've had, might've had one game canceled, but I don't think they've had real, any big issues with COVID. They've been consistent. Tom Allen runs a real tight ship there. He's a great head coach, should be in contention for some national awards for the job he's doing down there in Bloomington. Um, I have to do a little more research on the Hoosiers' backup quarterback, but I do like them to cover a two-touchdown spread regardless. I think that defense is still really good. So you've got uh, Wisconsin winning. I'm going to take Wisconsin winning as well. Uh, And I'll take that spread at minus 14 and a half. I think I'm going to have to. College basketball, we've got number one Gonzaga versus – Number two, Baylor. I never thought I would really see the day that that was that that's the number one and number two matchup more because of Baylor than because of Gonzaga. They've been there for a while, but the point spread is minus two and a half. 
that's pretty close. I mean, yeah. are these teams that even money line plus yes. 120 for Baylor minus 148 for the Zags? Yeah, I this is a game I am not going to touch with a yardstick because I think it's going to be that competitive. I personally have a thing about college basketball spreads under, you know, four points just because when you get to those final 30 seconds and teams are fouling, going to the free throw line, it's impossible to predict exactly how things are going to go. I actually don't even see total for this game available yet. It's not even up on the books. They'll probably come up closer um, to tomorrow and probably around 24 hours before tip-off. But, I mean, this game is going to be so good. I, I don't know if you watched the the Baylor-Illinois game late last night, but Illinois is a really good team in the Big Ten. You know, they're going to shock some people. I think, you know, people are more paying attention to the Iowas and the Wisconsins of the world. Illinois is going to be in the top two of the Big Ten when the season ends. They're going to make some noise in March if that tournament happens. But Baylor's defense stifled the Illini. They mm-hmm. stifled Ayo Dosanmu, who's one of the best all-around point guards in college basketball. They held Kofi Cockburn. They got him, the big man for the Illini, into foul trouble. They took him out of the game. Scott Drew is one of the best coaches in college basketball that you probably haven't heard of. Like you said, nobody really expected before the last couple of years to see Baylor in the top as one of the top teams in the country. That's because of the job he's doing. The Big 12 is an absolute gauntlet this season with teams like Texas Tech, like Kansas, like West Virginia, and now with Baylor. All of those teams are going to be top 15, top 10 teams. And I'm just beyond excited for this matchup. Talk about the defense of Baylor like they showed last night against Illinois. We're going to see the offense of Gonzaga, which has been fantastic throughout the year. Drew Timmy, Corey Kispert, they lose Jalen Suggs a little bit last night to what looked like an Achilles injury, but it turned out he was able to return to the floor after looking like he was probably out for the season. He was limping back on the floor, took a little bit to get back going, but looks like he should be all right. He's going to be a lottery pick, true freshman, Gonzaga's offense, probably one of the best they've ever had out there for Mark Few. This is going to be the ultimate offensive versus defensive matchup. I think the offense wins, take the over eventually, but I'm not going to touch that point spread. Not going to touch the point spread. It's too too close, too close. Both teams are even at 93 points per game. Baylor slightly at 93.3 points against Gonzaga's at 79.7. Points against Baylor's a little better defense, only allowing 67 points per game. Shooting percentage. Gonzaga has also played uh, a little more of a competitive schedule so far. Yes, they've won all three games of their season so far against Kansas. They won 102 to 90 against Auburn, 90 to 67, and against West Virginia, 87-82. Bo mentioned Illinois. Baylor beat Illinois last night, 82 to 69. They beat Washington, 86 to 52. And they beat University of Louisiana, right? ULL, no Lafayette at 112 Lafayette, yeah. to 82. First game of the season. So that'll be a good one. Uh, ESPN Basketball Power Index has, has Baylor winning at 58.9%. Uh, I don't know. I'm taking Gonzaga, and I'll take them at minus two and a you half. Said they're favored two and a half. Yeah. I think if you are if you are going going to take the spread, I think Gonzaga is the best bet. Um, but like I said, I'm not I'm not getting near there. Okay, 
All right, you're not getting there. Sam said, shared something with me yesterday before we get to soccer here. Uh, family time with my dad and brothers coming up. Uh, yesterday, a user placed a $376 seven-leg college basketball parlay at plus 1940 odds to win $7,669.72. Here were the picks. North Carolina. Uh, money line, Villanova minus 26, Louisville money line, Wisconsin minus 20 and a half, Davidson plus six and a half, Michigan State plus eight and a half, Kentucky plus nine and a half. One of these days, one of these days, I'm going to do uh, a couple of parlays. I, I am. I keep saying I'm going to do it and then I just end up I not had, doing it. I had a nice but, one. Yeah. I had a nice one last weekend. I was close last night. Um, but that Penn State VCU game uh, messed me up a little bit. <laughs> well, did I tell you? Did I tell you the story about the Villanova over no, on Monday? No. Did we not get to that? Okay. No. So Villanova is leading by two with like 20 seconds left in that Virginia Tech game, which I know we did touch on. With Villanova's inbounding the ball, they're down two. They they call a foul originally on Villanova but the referee says he pointed the wrong way. And so the foul actually goes on Virginia Tech. Villanova gets two free throws to tie it. They go, I'm sitting there with over 137. The score is like 68-68. No, the score is like 60-60 at the end of regulation. Overtime counts towards the point total. So I end up covering that. That's the last leg of my parlay. That's a shame. That's a shame. Good try. Good try. Um, no, it hit. It hit. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, yeah. well, I, oh, I'm sorry. sitting there I with the it over. Okay, okay. So how much did you win? Uh, Basically nothing because it all went down the drain the next day. <laughs> Dude, really? That's how bad it was? Yeah. It's been a, it's been a rough week. Okay. We'll put it like that. I'm sorry, Bo. I'm sorry. I, I should I should be listening to you more. <laughs> you should. You should. You should. I try, I try, but uh, you bet way more than I do. I feel like uh, you, you, you are really in the know of the games, the spreads, and I feel like I'm more the old school where I mix a little bit more of gut and analytics, and I feel like you're more analytics than gut. Yes, I come off that way, but in reality, it's the complete other way around. When it you, probably when it, should be that way. I probably I probably need to go back to the analytics a little bit, go back to the drawing board and reassess here. But. Yeah, it's good. It's what happens is when you're ready to click based off of everything you've read and know about the different teams, then all of a sudden your head just kind of says, ah, I'm picking this one. Then you switch it. That's what happens sometimes. Exactly. All exactly. Right. Like, uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't go – I couldn't not bet against Penn State last night. Had to go with VCU. That didn't end up too well. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. All right. Uh, we got soccer coming up next. All right. Is it time for family time? Are they ready, Bo? Uh, just about. Yep. Looks like Okay. It. Okay. Let's bring in my family who watches mm. way more soccer than I do. And when I say they watch way more soccer than I do, let me tell you that my dad will watch any – what's up? There, there they go. My dad will watch 
any if there was an under eight Chelsea versus Manchester United, my dad would be watching that game. So he watches a lot more soccer than I ever do. And then same for my brother as well. How are you doing, Ramu and Dad? I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doing well. All right. Uh, let's start with uh, Champions League. Uh, what did you take from the games yesterday? Anything that shocked you? Uh, of course, you, you know, I, I know you want to talk about Giroud. I mean, four goals, Chelsea be, beating Sevilla. I mean, come on, right? That's that's where you want to start, yes? I guess he solidified his spot in the uh, French national team with that time effort. How about that, huh? Four goals. What, what yeah. did you? What was your takeaway from yesterday? Uh, the best game was um, Leipzig and Shakhtar. Yeah, that was uh, that was a thriller. And Leipzig came back to the win, which um, they're still not in. So it's going to match day five coming up. Istanbul basically here. <laughs> it, oh, okay. My the first thing is like. When I think about these leagues, it's really hard to even try to keep up with where, who's playing who in what league. Does that ever bother any of you guys? I, I guess not the way it's easy for you to follow the games. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead, Matt. Oh, okay. Well, no, I mean, for me, no. Um, I mean, just because all of the different streaming platforms now, I think that's the only thing that pretty, pretty much makes it difficult. Um, like you can't like the Champions League games aren't on Fox Sports anymore. Now you have to have CBS All Access to watch them. Um, Premier League, some of the games, like I said, are on Peacock. So I think that's the only thing that makes it hard to keep up with, just having all these different streaming services. Dad, coming up, um, you got three Premier League teams headed to the round of sixteen, and uh, so. I mean, it shows the strength of the Premier League. Uh, of course, it doesn't. I mean, once the draw takes place, they may be in the same group at some point. But I mean, I doubt it. But mm -hmm. uh, it shows the strength of the Premier League going forward in the Champions League for the round of 16. It's going to be some interesting matches uh, coming up next round. Group so H is still up in the air. So and we've got with nine points going yeah. in. Uh, when you look at the betting odds, uh, the game I like is FC Barcelona versus Juventus. We have FC Barcelona at plus 115. Mm. You can get the tie at plus 255 or Juventus at plus 230. This game is Tuesday, December 8th. Uh, so right around the corner, who would you take in that game? Where is and the why? game being played? Where that game is being played, played. That game is being played. Oh my gosh! How did I just lose that? Sorry, guys. In Spain. Possibly. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I, I know Barcelona is literally already through. Um, I know Juve have had their struggles in the group um, with a couple close calls and games. Uh, I, I know we'll see the – hopefully we will see the um, um, 
a matchup between Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel McGinn. Um, but with me, I'm a super, super messy fan. I think that um, he just makes things kind of look effortless, and he has that more uh, bit of creativity than Cristiano. Um, although Barcelona, they are a team that are uh, doing bad in La Liga, they are having a lot of success in Champions League. So I'm going to look for Barcelona to come through with that one. Dad? Yeah, well, I'd have pretty much concur go with Barca, although – uh, it might end up a draw, but <laughs> I would say the Barcelona. The big teams I'll always So, and, okay, then drink. I'll drink to that. You'll drink to that. <laughs> the next <laughs> game, looking at Manchester United against Leipzig. You could get Leipzig at plus 165, the tie at plus 270, or Manchester United at plus 150. And as you mentioned, all uh, and if you add PSG in there, all three teams have nine points. That's This is going to be a very crucial game here. I know you're going to try to say Manchester United, but you have to be worried about Leipzig, right, the way that they play. Um, I mean, last time we played Leipzig. Leipzig. It was, yeah, it was a, it was a narrative of us being scared and we should be concerned. We, we came out with the win. I think it was 5-1, 5-2 maybe. Um, although it will be a different game because they've, they've analyzed us a little bit more and they kind of know a little bit more about us now than they did before. I am pretty confident. Um, I think that uh, Oli will put out a lineup to bring to just bring the W home because we're pretty desperate when it comes to moving on in the Champions League at the moment. Um, I, I just don't see United not coming through with the win. Um, Leipzig is a good team, but I just don't think that they're disciplined at the back enough for United at the moment even though they're also coming off that loss to PSG, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dad? Fred being out, but they got, you know, ample subs, I think, to fill in the midfield for Fred has to sit out the next match. Um, it's going to be in Germany, right? Leipzig's mm -hmm. home. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go opposite on this one. I'm thinking Leipzig uh, for the win the next round oh wow okay uh let's yeah. touch on let's move back to the premier league and uh mm -hmm. i want to ask you guys when i look at the standings we've got tottenham and liverpool both at uh 21 points but it seems really tight you know you can go 10 deep yeah. At Man U at 16, Everton 16, Wolverhampton 17, 21 and 16. I feel like it's really cramped at the tight is at the top. Is that more than what you're used to seeing, even even though I know it's kind of early in the season? Well, it's tight, definitely. Uh, because there's so many games being played. And some teams, you know, not being in the uh, Champions League or the Europa League, West Ham jumped up to five and you know. The perennial, they've been, uh, you know, out of the top 10. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's really an uh, interesting season. Very competitive. Uh, let's look at the first game here that I'm curious your thoughts on. West Ham, you mentioned them already, Dad, against Manchester United. We Manchester United, you got West Ham at plus 260, a tie at plus 250. I hate ties. I hate ties. And Manchester <laughs> United at plus 106. It's the European way. Oh, I mean, it's we, awful. 
it's if all you're on top, you stay on top. If you're down below, well, you just stay there. <laughs> yeah. Isn't the movie called The Crown because someone's wearing the crown? Don't you want an eventual champion in every game? I would yeah. like to think that you crown someone every game with a win, <laughs> not a tie. Not a yeah. tie. Okay, who you got who you got in that game? Uh, the game's I believe the game's at Old Trafford, by the way. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's at the stadium. Okay. Is that Old Trafford? Yes. I yeah, go man U. At Old Trafford. Yeah, I will I will go man U this game. So man U at plus one oh six. Yeah. Yes, I'm United as well. Yep. Also, West Ham um the game last weekend. They are a really good team right now and they, they don't have competition in, in Europe. So it could be mm -hmm. a tricky game for United, but I just a low scoring game, possibly two one, one nothing. Two one one nothing. Okay. Next game, yeah. Liverpool at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Liverpool minus two hundred. The tie at plus 325, or you could take the Wolves at plus 575. Do the Wolves have a shot at beating Liverpool? And it's on the Wolverhampton's home home field. Right. Liverpool's hurting right now. They got a lot of injuries, and it's going to be tough. Uh, yeah. I guess he's going to put Mane back in the starting lineup. Um, I think Liverpool in the end. I'll take yeah, I got Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I do have Liverpool outclassing them. I know they have their their injury problems, but with Raul Jimenez just getting hurt last weekend, uh, with against uh, Arsenal, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. But Fabio Silva came in and did a wonderful job substituting for him. But I think I think Liverpool is just going to outclass them, honestly. I like and, a long shot. Jota, I would Jota, uh, the, the Portuguese. Player in the midfield, Jota will probably step up in this one as well, score some more goals. Okay, I'm gonna go the opposite way. I'm gonna take the Wolves at plus five seventy-five. Mm. Uh, Chelsea versus Leeds United. You can get Chelsea at minus one eighty-six to tie at three forty, and Leeds United at plus plus five hundred. You're all going with Chelsea, right? Of course you are. Yeah. I'm going with Beasley with this one. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'll play Frank Lampard. So I'm going with, with Beasley and Leeds team. And there, Leeds uh, plays an attacking style, and uh, they're an interesting team to watch. Yeah, uh, people forward. But, so, but uh, I mean, it's no sleeping on Chelsea. I, they have too much firepower. Um, but yeah. I have to go with Leeds. <laughs> Uh, ben Bobek says uh, over City. So I think he's talking about the Manchester Manchester City game, I guess is what he's mm. talking about. Sorry, I screwed that up. Bo, can you join in? What were you saying? Just I was just reminding you that we had the, the over in this game on Monday. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We did. We did. Okay. Oh. Thank you very much. A lot of, lot of goals going to be scored. Yeah. Yeah, we did have the over. You're right about that. Thank you, Bo. Okay, thank you. Uh, I enjoy family time. Thanks, Dad. Oh, hey, well, before we go, the Derby, the London Derby. Oh, my gosh. Do we have to talk about the London? Uh, okay, go ahead. Uh, Manchester well, <laughs> United versus Manchester City. No, the London that, Derby. The London Derby. Sorry, sorry. I, I have... 
I had my yeah Arsenal yeah I'm sorry I, I got it, I got it I had too many windows Tottenham minus 106 the tie plus 260 Arsenal plus 290 right who do you got? I think, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Coach Mo and Tottenham. And Tottenham? Yeah. Plus two ninety. Yeah, <laughs> okay. okay. Arsenal. Arsenal is four one five draws. Uh, they only have thirteen points. They're not looking very good right now. Okay. All right. So you're taking Tottenham. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are the Arsenal number one team right now. Yeah, both said Spurs. Arsenal doesn't have enough to break down their. Yeah, both says the Spurs as well. So okay, all right. London derbies in uh, MLS playoffs: Sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota United FC. First of all, I just want to say that these team names are just stupid. I just hate this <laughs> Minnesota United FC. Come on. It just sounds ridiculous. I just, I can't, I can't do it. And maybe it's just because of the history, but have you even, I imagine both of you have been following MLS enough that you've got, uh, you've got uh, a dog in this fight. Who are you picking to win this upcoming game between uh, these two teams? Minnesota is the looms, the looms. <laughs> okay. The looms. <laughs> I go Minnesota. I like that Min style of play. I think they got a, a, a good mixture of players, midfield, and uh, I think uh, Minnesota. You can get Minnesota at plus 340, the tie at plus 320, or Sporting KC at minus 150. Mm. Right. Um, so when you think about it, Manchester United FC is MUFC. Minnesota United is MUFC. So I'm going to go with MUFC for Minnesota United football. <laughs> At plus 340. Okay. Uh, Minnesota United to win. Okay. I guess it's fine. MLS soccer. I just, I just, you know what I remember the most? I remember when we used to play fantasy MLS soccer and they used to do half points. And I think you beat me, Dad, in the championship game. Like 120.5 to 120. It was devastating. It was just devastating. And I just, I'm done with MLS. And plus, DC United is not very good, but maybe they'll turn it around someday. Thank you. I, in the uh, MLS playoffs, they have a lot of uh, overtime games going to penalty kicks. Yeah, that's so another bane of my existence. Okay. It's okay to say a game comes down to a free throw. But could you imagine if basketball, if the game was tied at the end and they just flip-flop taking free throws <laughs> to win the game? That would be awesome. That would not be awesome. <laughs> especially if you're especially if you're Gilbert Arenas and LeBron James comes up to you and says, you know you're gonna miss these, right? And then you turn around and miss them. And then they change the rules. No. Well, what, they like would, what they would do is have empty lanes and put one player at each end of the court. Yeah, that's what that's the oh, see which guy goes first. Yeah. <laughs> Play knockout. That's a, maybe something like a knockout. Maybe that'll do it. Something completely different. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Thanks, Ramu. Thanks, Dad. All right. I appreciate it. I'll see you next okay. time. All right. See, they have to educate me on soccer. There are things that I don't know. He says the London Derby. 
And for some reason, I forgot that Manchester is not in London. Like, I got to get my geography right. But I screwed that up. But hopefully you you won't hold it against me. I'm, I'm you know, only my second time doing this soccer thing. Okay. I've gone on for a long time, and I didn't even get to cricket. It's the 2020 International, Australia versus India. They play three games, December 4th, 6th, and 8th. The first game is tomorrow at 3.10 in the morning. I don't know if I'm going to be up at 3.10 in the morning. I just don't know if I can do it. Now, my father-in-law, he would be up at 3.10 in the morning to watch. He will. To win it, Australia is favored at minus 130, the first game. India is at plus 105. Australia has won their last five of these 2020 international tournaments at home, their longest since winning 10 in a row in 2006 to 2010. An Australian batsman recorded the highest score in six of their last eight home T20Is. The only exceptions came against India, and that's who they're playing. Now, the Aussies have a number of versatile players, as I was reading up on you know, who I was trying to pick for this game. And, of course, this is a sport you don't care about. You're not probably watching cricket, but it is something that I am learning to enjoy and grow into. Now, the favorite for the top run scorer for the home team, which is Australia's Aaron Fitch. He's a favorite at plus 275. He's the second highest run scorer in the head-to-head T20Is. 405 runs, strike rate of 137.28. Uh, uh, I also looking at Steve Smith at plus 300 for the Aussies. 216 runs and a 148.96 strike rate. Last time he played at home in this match, uh, or in these matches, excuse me, he won player of the match honors. So I think he is someone that you can look at to say, okay, maybe if I want to take a flyer and not go with the favorite, Steve Smith. I mean, I know he's right under him at 275 and 300. But if you want even more of a long shot, Glenn Maxwell at plus 550. Maxwell has hit 23 of six at-bats in 13 T20Is against India, with 11 of those coming in the last two matches. You can get him at plus 550. He's also had a stellar ODI. That's a one-day international series with 167 runs, a strike rate of 194.18. And a long shot, very long shot, Josh Hazelwood at plus 1,500. Could be a sleeper. India on the other side, they're unbeaten in bilateral T20I since December 2, 2019, 2019. Gosh, I can't talk right. So many numbers here. They won six, tied twice. And in away bilateral T20I since February 29th, they won four, tied twice. Captain Virat Kohli is the odds-on favorite to be the top-run scorer for the away team at plus 250 with scores of 90, 59, 54, and 61 his last five T20Is in Australia. Hardik Panja at plus 800 is another player to consider. In the one-day internationals, he had 210 runs with a strike rate of 114.75. Uh, and he play, he's played well uh, since his uh, uh, IPL. If he's been playing in the IPL well, and hopefully that will translate over to – the T20Is. 
Uh, we'll see. Long shots. They both played well in the IPL. If they can build on that Deepak Char at 118 dots and 320 balls, 312 balls, and that plus 10,000, there is Thangarasu Natarajan at 136 dots and 377 balls, but he's at plus 1,500. Very, very, very long shots. But I'm going to watch this game. I am learning. I'm reading about this, uh, about the different players and who is good and who's bad and who's a good long shot to look at. So uh, I give a shout out here to scoreboard.com. Uh, That's kind of I'm learning and and growing with cricket. It's a sport you don't care about, but I am learning to care about. Yeah, it's cricket. Okay. So the last thing I'm going to talk about here before we go, uh, I always get this uh, trivia calendar for for my um, for my birthday every year, and uh, it's either stats or it's a trivia question. So the last trivia question I had was from November 30th, and I haven't looked at the answer. And the question is, which Miss America had a brother, a future husband, and a son? in the NBA. And this was the hardest thing for me to try to come up with. And I had no answer whatsoever. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't think about it. And then I got the answer. It is Colleen K. Hutchins of Utah, who won the 1952, 1952 Miss America crown. Her brother, Mel Hutchins, was the second overall pick in the 1951 NBA draft and played seven seasons in the league. Colleen married Ernie Vandeweghe, Ernie Vandeweghe, who played for the Knicks from 1949-1956. Their son, Kiki Vandeweghe, played 13 seasons in the NBA from 1980 to 1993. I had no shot. But by the way, Coco Vandeweghe, she plays tennis. So all of these connections going around here. Hope you didn't mind me stumbling through the rest of the show, trying to get up on soccer and cricket. I get nervous. I get nervous when I'm trying to do sports I'm learning at the same time as doing the show. But I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed Just for Sport. Thank you, Bo, for chiming in. Uh, uh, he had some great knowledge on college football and college basketball. We'll see how we do, right, Bo? We have some great picks. We'll see who wins this weekend. And uh, I'm very confident in mine. All right. Hope that answers all of your questions. And the answer to all of your questions, realistically, is money. And if you make money, I'm happy. That's the end of the show. Ciao for now. <laughs>